0: Co-worker of yours.
1: Now it's Gabe
2: time. Gabe Coon. Gabe Coon was one of the great little trivial nuggets in all of football bios. His grandfather was the inventor of the easy bake oven. Like a boss, the best lineman on the radio. Well, the only lineman on the radio. It's Gabe time. Game time. We're ready. The Gabe Coon Show, 92.9 FM, ESPN.
3: off and rolling monday september 18 2023 welcome into a new week of the gabe coon show i am your host gabe coon on x at g underscore coon 71 former memphis tiger offensive lineman i'm alongside in a triumphant return after a uh after just a friday off friday off glad to see his face bright smiling face that would be connor dunning the executive producer of the show on X at C Dunning nine two nine. Connor, I missed you on Friday.
4: I missed you too, man. Uh gotta say real quick, happy birthday to Ruthie. Yes. My grandmother, Ruth Dunning. Happy birthday. Eighty seven. Eighty seven years young today. Shout out. Incredible life. Happy birthday.
3: Happy birthday. Is she is she a Mimaw or did, like I know that you, she's, you're a, Ruthie. This... she's, oh, she's so, a Ruthie. She's so because okay. uh,
4: I couldn't say Ruth for some reason when I was younger so I would say Ruthie or Ruthie or something like that so it became Ruthie over time something
3: that that is interesting about the south in particular moms always when they're about to have a grandchild and become a grandma they don't want to just go by grandma they no. want to go like mamaw Mima, uh bubby like they, they want to they want a fancy name for it I haven't really uh, come across that until I hadn't come across that until I got to the south they all want a special name. I was always Grandma Is where grandpa. you're from
4: not count as the South? Kind of the South. Uh, More uh, Midwest? It's Midwest. Mid- Midwest. It's very Midwest. Aren't yeah. they similar, though?
3: Yeah, like, St. Louis is an interesting place. You drive five hours north, you feel like you're in the North. You drive five hours south, you feel like you're in the South. You you get right there in St. Louis, there's a mix.
4: Fair, fair. It but feels no, different. Cat's got a Meemaw. I got a Meemaw. I got a Ruthie and a Pawpaw. Yeah. And then Grandpa,
3: Al. Yeah, and, uh. My fiance has Meemaws. She had a few Meemaws.
4: Shout-out to all the Meemaws across the world. Shout-out to the Meemaws,
3: man. Shout-out to the the Gabe
4: Kuhn Show, the number 1 Meemaw Show in Memphis.
3: (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) We have three hours of talk on the way, courtesy of 92.9 FM, ESPN, and yours truly, and it's for the Meemaws out there. Um, We will talk about college football week three and what you can take away from it. Um, And we're going to start with the SEC. Um, Not great, man. No. I like I I don't know what to I, I don't like people have talked about NIL, people have talked about quarterbacks leaving, but at this point it's just showing to be as average of a conference as I've seen in a long time. Now once we get into SEC play, once we get into postseason play, we'll see where Georgia stands, we'll see where everybody else stands, but Alabama has gone down, LSU has gone down, and now Tennessee has gone down. AM already went down. And I know you feel the type of way about Tennessee, don't you? We'll get to that in a second. That was that was not fun. They still but I I just find it strange, and we're going to start the conversation there in a second. I find it strange that it seemed like Tennessee came out flat in a place that they have not won since 2003. They figured it was sort of written that they were going to go win that game. They're the number 11 team in the country. They took a tumble to number 23 with that loss to Florida on the road, but they had not beat Florida at the Swamp since 2003. You can't take anything for granted. You just cannot, especially when you go on the road in a place like that. But we'll get to that in a second. We'll have some NFL Week Two takeaways. We have a couple of Monday Night Football games. Um, I'll make a pick at the end of the show. We have a uh, interdivisional AFC North matchup between the Browns and the Steelers in Acrisure Stadium, formerly known as Heinz Field. I'll make a pick on that at the end of the show. But we'll also talk about NFL Week Two as a whole, as it will be put uh, put on ice. It'll a wrap will be put on it. Tonight, a nice little bow. As far as guests are concerned, Jeff Coggins will join at 5 o'clock from Jeff Coggins Show and Daily Memphian. Now, while Connor was out on Friday, Jeff was also out on Friday. We ended up talking about the NFL weekend and, and what I was expecting from the NFL weekend, where I was white, right, where I was wrong. We'll talk about that. Um, but, Jeff, we have not gotten to discuss the new stadium renovation plans. And, Connor, you, we, we haven't gotten to discuss it either. The latest on that is $500 million of a $550 million plan could potentially be given to the Grizzlies, and $220 million of a $295 million plan could potentially be given to the Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium and to the University of Memphis. So it looks like what we talked about earlier last week of everybody getting what they want but not necessarily on time, not necessarily exactly how they drew it up, Seems like that's sort of on the table at this point. But yes. Jeff Calkins will join to talk about that, and I'll get his thoughts. Six o'clock. Harold Grater, the associate executive director of the AutoZone Liberty Bowl, will join. We'll talk about the struggles in the SEC uh, from from week three, and then we'll look ahead to week four. Week four is loaded. Six ranked versus ranked matchups. I think the leading matchup that I, I certainly want to see is Ohio State versus Notre Dame. Kyle McCord looked good this weekend, but Notre Dame's going to have three. Uh, returning starters this week for this game against Ohio State, and I want to see what that looks like. That, that has college football playoff aspirations written all over it. Notre Dame looks better than they have in a while. I think that'll be a good matchup. But we have six rank-versus-rank matchups that we'll sort of look ahead to. The Blitz will be at 630, and uh, we'll talk about Colorado in the game in particular, Colorado State and Colorado. We'll talk about that in the first segment. But there was a moment where Colorado State's safety – Henry Blackburn was assessed a foul for unsportsmanlike conduct after a late hit out of bounds on Travis Hunter. And there's been a lot of discussion about it because Travis Hunter is going to be out for three more weeks. Um, And Skip Bayless is reporting at a laceration on his liver. I'm going to answer the question that everybody's asking. Should Henry Blackburn be assessed more penalties? Should he be suspended for a game? What should this look like going forward? I'll answer that question for you. And also, because Connor's back, I have to bring up uh, Damian Lillard and the, uh, the Blazers and the Heat trying to work to a resolution to get Damian Lillard the hell up out of Portland and into a Miami Heat uniform, and the Blazers want more than uh, the Heat are willing to give. So, that's an that's a update, non-update, isn't
4: it? I, I'm so tired it's, of this story. Of course. It's just, it's, it's basketball <laughs> hell having to talk about Damian Lillard and the Blazers.
3: It's ridiculous. I'll take a trip around the NFL at 5.30, and we'll get to small talk at 5.50, but let's go ahead and start. Where I uh, I know you don't want to start, but we'll get it out of the way for you. Tennessee Let's goes do down. Now.
4: Let's do Dame now. Let's do Dame now. Tennessee
3: <laughs> goes down on the road to Florida, twenty-nine to sixteen. They took things for granted. It did not look like the Tennessee team we saw from a year ago. Uh, sort of the Joe Milton thought process of people thinking they were going to take a step back sort of came to reality. I don't think it's all his fault by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but they go down. Have not won in Florida since 2003. And this Florida team's not very good. But they're ranked 25th in the new AP Top 25. Tennessee still ranked ahead of them. Still ranked ahead of them at number 23. But that Tennessee team, I can start nowhere else besides. I noticed they were flat from the from the get go. They didn't look right. They just didn't. That second quarter was awful. It was miserable. Couldn't score, couldn't move the ball, gave up 20 points uh, unanswered in that second quarter to a Florida offense that I think is not very good. Their rush defense couldn't do a dang thing. And Joe Milton looked very regular. And we saw the, the warning signs of, of this Tennessee team against Austin P. They came out flat in that game, still won 49-13, but they still just didn't look quite right. This Tennessee team is not, is not right. They're not right right now. And I think what it comes down to, especially on the offensive end, I'll get to the defensive end in a second. On the offensive end, the O-line is not, not where it needs to be. They have to run the ball. If that, that Tennessee offense, we always talk about them being high-flying, and we talked about you know last year, Jalen Hyatt, these wide receivers running wide open, Hendon Hooker putting the ball on them. Um, they, they create a lot of coverage busts with a lot of the pass concepts they do. They try to air it out. And Josh Heipel does a good job with trying to scheme things open. He spreads out the splits for all his wide receivers. But one thing... That I think some misnomer about this Tennessee offense is that this this run game doesn't have to be all that right. It needs to be right. You have to keep defenses guessing. You have to to keep defenses honest. And I don't think this run game against solid run defenses, solid defenses in the SEC, has that ability right now. You look right, right. At the second Jalen Wright, 16 carries for 63 yards. Jabari Small, seven for 35. They didn't keep Florida on their heels the entire night. And that was a big problem. And you, you force Joe Milton to have to drop back a little too much and, and you run into issues with that. But that run game has to get going and that offensive line has to start playing at a higher level.
4: Absolutely. Um, this is a result of a team buying into its hype too early. The uh, To me, the the flatness of the team was because they expected to be the team. Last year they broke the streak of Florida-Tennessee and they expected this year to go into there and break the 2003 streak they thought hey we're going to be the team that does it florida stinks they do <laughs> like they're, they weren't very I good the first to the first two games they looked at the first two that they had and if we're being completely honest i was worried about those first two games they didn't bury austin p the way they should have they shouldn't they did not bury a very bad virginia team the, the way that they should have they were playing with their food the entire time i don't think all of this is on joe milton i certainly think he may not he may not help. He's no Hinden Hooker, but that's hard to ask. Right. It's hard to ask Joe Milton to be Hinden Hooker. Hendon Hooker But here's was the other thing, fantastic. though, Connor. I think Joe Milton has
3: made some adjustments to his game. He's Where better. he doesn't have to take the top off the defense every single play and overthrow his receiver by 30 yards. He's taking more of the intermediate and short routes than he has in the past. But at the same time, he's not Hinden Hooker. That, that much is right. clear. I'll give you that.
4: The biggest thing about Joe Milton is he throws it 100 miles an hour whether you're 5 feet away from him or 50 yards away. Like, that's that's the hardest thing about Joe. He just... He's got a bazooka arm, but he doesn't quite know how to control it fully yet. But I don't think Joe Milton was, was the full problem of this game. I think that you nailed it. It, it was in the trenches. It was in the trenches. That and offensive line got punched in the mouth, and he didn't know what to do. And they did not know what to do. It was look at the run game. The run game the first two was decent. We talked about Jabari Small being a weapon for this Tennessee team, and he was non-existent against yeah, well, Florida. It, well, it wasn't even too with Jabari
3: Small. Like they just didn't feed him enough either. And they got down early. They gave up twenty points so in that second quarter, it. so they had to throw it a little bit more. They felt like they were behind the eight ball, and they were a little uncomfortable. And the offense, you know, took some hits because of. That.
4: I thought that the defense in the second half woke up. You know, they right. showed something in the second half, but. It was a disappointing performance from Tennessee. It's one of those things where, you know, I think that the trajectory of this program is going up, but you have to be focused and ready every single week, especially like a game like this. They were not prepared for Florida to come into it and ready to punch them in the mouth. They thought that they were going to be able to over-talent it they took for granted, I think, the struggles they had the last two weeks, and they weren't focused up. They clearly just were not focused up on this game, and it was unfortunate. It's been one of those deals where every time we think Tennessee is about to really get rolling, they have a game like this. They've got to get focused up. They've got to know that just because you beat this Florida team last year and you broke that streak last year, that doesn't guarantee a win this year. Every single week in the SEC, is a, it can be a different ballgame. You've got to be ready for it. I mean, It's wild that they haven't won. The curse of the Bambino was still around. Last time Tennessee won in Florida, (laughs) that's nuts, dude. Yeah, nuts. It's it's two thousand three. It's one of the most disappointing games I. Can remember being this a, is, a, as a all fan. Like this it is, was so disappointing. But I going thought, forward, I hate Florida. There you know how I feel focus. about Florida. There
3: has to be a focus. for
4: the Tennessee program to
3: win a damn game at the swamp. Yes, that's, that's got you priority. You have, you have to change
4: that around. You have to. I can't take it anymore, game. <laughs> I can't take it anymore. Now on the
3: other side, I do want to give credit where credit's due. Billy yeah. Napier had a good plan for his team. They ran the hell out of the ball. And they found a way to stop the run. And in Billy Napier, I think in a lot of ways, going forward, we were questioning, you know, how this SEC season goes for him after that loss to Utah with a backup quarterback didn't look any close. Um, Billy Napier has a chance to save his job and get another year at Florida, whereas, you know, you talked to me a couple weeks ago when they played Utah. I, I didn't think that was the case.
4: Well, that's the spin zone for Tennessee is did they did they lose this game to keep Billy Napier at Florida? Are we playing the long game here? That's the fun little spin zone that you can do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But speaking of Florida, yeah, they, they were ready. They were prepared, and I thought that Graham Mertz looked – Look, look good. Yeah, he took yeah. care of the football. He took care of the football. That's all. That's what we talked about. Yep. If they can take care of the football and they don't give Tennessee extra opportunities, and they got a shot.
3: All Graham Mertz has to do for this offense, because I think the O line's pretty solid, and I think their run game well, is good. He, as as right. we saw, we saw uh, Trevor Etienne go off. I'll He's talented. A second. But all he has to do is be timely, pushing the ball downfield and hit a couple of shots, hit a couple, of, get a couple of first downs for that team, and then that run game can take over. And you saw that happen. Um one thing real quick, though, on Tennessee and their lack of run game, I do want to give a shout-out. Cam Jackson, who was at University of Memphis last year, transferred to Florida, he, he was all over the damn place. He was immovable in there. Now, he's gained some weight. He's 6'6", 360 now in the middle of that defensive line, and that Florida defensive coordinator, um, that Florida uh, you know staff loves him. They, they really like what he brought to the table. Didn't really show it through the first two weeks, but he owned. He was all over that Tennessee offensive line. Now, Florida – that run game is good. I mean, I, I we knew it was going to be Montrell Johnson and, and, and Trevor Etienne, but Trevor Etienne, 23 attempts, 172 yards, one TD. And because of all of the the gash plays that, that Tennessee allowed, the, the, the large runs they allowed in that first half, that really got Florida over the top as that run game. Now, the second half, they didn't do much, and I thought Tennessee buckled down. But in that first half, they did all the damage they needed to do.
4: They buckled down, and that's why, you know, I I take some positives from the second half of the game. They continued to fight. They just couldn't get it done. They didn't have enough time. But I hope that next week against a a much lesser opponent, they come out and they bury them. They've got to beat that team. (laughs) Poor UTSA. they got to bury it. they got to bury UTSA. You can't leave any any questions out there. Um, It's it's just a disappointing performance. It's a disappointing performance, but weirdly enough, it's not surprising. I I had a fear of this happening because the first two games I felt – I don't know. I don't know what to make of this. So, like, a, a few people have been talking about the Josh Heupel offense in his last place, and it was in the third season where people kind of started to figure it out a little bit. Do you Do you have any fear of that happening? This, this
3: was my fear from the beginning. But last year shows me if you have a good quarterback and you feel confident in what you're bringing to the table uh, from a weapon perspective, which I still think they have weapons. Brew McCoy Absolutely. was still good in that game. Or Mel Keaton still a good wide receiver. I still think they have enough there. But if you have a good quarterback who can spread the ball around, you can still be very successful. Um, they they try to get to those hurry-up-run plays and then try to create chunks. I was always worried about Josh Heupel getting into the SEC, them getting some film on him and starting to understand his concepts. But I think Josh Heupel is an innovator. I, I think he he does bring a lot to the table. So I don't think long-term it'll be a massive issue for that Tennessee offense. But they just have to find – a way to run the ball consistently, and that O-line has to, has to improve as the year goes along and, and, and help out Joe
4: Milton a tad bit. I will. I also need to add this. The lack of composure from this team, too, is extremely oh, concerning. Oh, the end of the game was miserable. Because I think and also- the, the actual like play in the second half was better. That was encouraging just because they, it was a dumpster fire in the first half and they looked decent in the second half. The fight and all that crap... Ridiculous! Ridiculous! Josh Heupel
3: fed into it though.
4: He absolutely fed it. that timeout, time out. What on? are you doing? It, it's, what come are you on? doing? What are you doing? So now, uh, ridiculous.
3: Florida's Damian George, Micah Moskua, Dante Sanders, and then Tennessee's Omar Norman Lot, um, because they squared up basically on what was that like? The Is there anything dumber
4: line. than squaring up with a helmet? No, line? it's
3: it's ridiculous. Um, they've been suspended for the first half of next week's game by the SEC. I thought that was – you're you're right. You're totally right. She's disappointing. I thought thought the composure of the team and then, like, Josh Heupel calling that timeout, just let – let's get out of here. The game's over. It's over. It's a wrap. Let's get the hell out of here,
4: please. Move on. Lose with grace.
3: Yes. I mean, if you would have played (laughs) – if you would have brought that intensity to motion in the first half maybe you would have won that game.
4: Listen, I understand that you were frustrated that you lost the game, but Florida punched you in the mouth. It doesn't mean you get to punch back because you lost
3: yes um now the SEC as a whole Tennessee goes down there with the number 11 team in the country. Bama's gone down already to Texas um, and Bama this week that was miserable and I I, I, I talked about this on Friday. Tyler Buckner was named the starter for that game against South Florida and they win 17 to three. There's a lot of people out there in the Bama faithful Bama fan base. Well, Tyler Bookner got brought in into the spring because he's familiar with Tommy Reese. He was a former four-star Elite 11 recruit, yada, yada, yada. They're trying to, you know, paint this great picture about Tyler Bookner. Maybe he's got to control the offense. He knows Tommy Reese. Maybe he'll be comfortable. He was awful. I mean, dreadful. I, I know that Jalen Milrow had his issues against Tennessee, and I'm not the biggest fan of Jalen Milrow. I don't think that he, he plays all that smart. He tries to take a deep shot or he tries to run the ball. That sort of, I mean, there's no real in-between. He's got to get better with the intermediate and short routes if he wants to have that offense going consistently. But at the same time, after watching Ty Simpson and Tyler Buckner run out there this week against South Florida, he's the best they got. And he's the best option they have. And I think outside of sort of the normal line of thinking, Ty Simpson – and Tyler Bookner are largely guys that will try to sit in the pocket and throw the ball. Their legs aren't that great. Jalen Milrow has legs to escape and make teams pay to create big plays, and I don't think that that Alabama offensive line who's starting a freshman, a true freshman at left tackle in Caden Proctor, who has three guys over 350, I don't think they protect their quarterback well enough to have anybody in there who's not mobile enough to escape. And I think Jalen Milrow, truthfully, and I know that – Nick Saban has said, you know, last week's during practice when Tyler Bookner and Ty Simpson were getting first-team reps, Jalen Milrow didn't respond all that well –
0: anything they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker of yours
1: how powerful is Cox internet
2: powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas Phoenix and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage get Cox internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds it's
1: internet built for tomorrow today Cox. Always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and the restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ukulov speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.
3: get playing time, Nick Saban said he's the starter again. I don't think it's perfect, and I don't think this Bama team is up to snuff compared to what they've been through this dynastic run with Nick Saban. But it is very clear to me Jalen Milrose is the best they have, and it's not even
4: close. Without a doubt. When you, when you watch this, they were so uncomfortable. Simpson was better. He was certainly better. But he got he, sacked
3: five times
2: yeah, by that yeah, offensive line. Right,
4: but, man, Tyler was – Rough. It looked like he'd had it looked, honestly you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of Zach Wilson with the Jets. Five for 14. <laughs> that's what it reminded me of. Five for 14, 34 yards. It was like after that—when that first read wasn't there, he w- it was like he would panic, and he didn't really know what to He's do. He's not talented
3: enough to be starting at quarterback for Alabama football.
4: Yes. thats that, true. Luckily for Alabama, it was South Florida.
3: Yes. And South Florida's offense is no good, and I thought Alabama's defense held up, but South Florida's offense, again— is no good, but 17-3 to on the road against South Florida. This Bama team, man, they have some things to figure out. Now, luckily, they ran the ball relatively well. Roydell Williams, um, 17 carries, 129 yards. Jason McClellan, 13 for 74, but they have some things to figure out before they get into the heart of uh, SEC play, and they're dealing with Ole Miss next week, dealing with Ole Miss next week at home, and Ole Miss has looked pretty good, and I think Jackson Dart's been peaking at a good time. Now, also Georgia, Georgia, that was too close for comfort, I think, for a lot of Georgia fans. At home against South Carolina, 24-14. to The first half they were down, after the first half, down 14-3. That offense couldn't find their way. Um, now, in the second half, Dejon Edwards, you know, imposed his will, and that offensive line imposed their will. 20 for 118, 1 TD. Carson Beck, I think, steady. I don't think he's uh, overly uh, great, but he's steady. Uh, I'm not ready to create a problem with Georgia yet, though. I know it's early. And they just had their struggles at home against South Carolina. But I remember last year they struggled against Mizzou. And still by the time we got to postseason play, they were great. But that, that is, I mean, there's a little bit of a cause for concern for what we saw from Georgia this weekend. And it just shows you usually think that the SEC is going to be top heavy. Right now you have Georgia as your hope for the college football playoff. And then everyone else is just sort of in this mix, and you don't know who's actually going to emerge.
4: Right. Absolutely. I, I do want to ask you: Do you have a theory as to why? It, if it just seems like the playing field has been leveled a little bit, and I, I have. I have a thing that is p- the probable answer as to why we're seeing it this. But I'm curious what your thoughts are.
3: I think. Uh, listen, nil. I can hear that argument, right? Like, there's other teams that have been able to recruit. Like, look at Colorado. Look at. Um, the, these other schools around the Texas has done a good job recruiting. Florida State's taking advantage. Uh, uh, USC has taken advantage. Michigan used their NIL package to bring all their good players from last year's team back for another year. Like, I can see I can see that argument. Um, I also think in the SEC you just have a drop-off in quarterback play from last year. No Bryce Young, no Hendon Hooker, no Stetson Bennett. Like, I think, I think there's a lot of things that go into it. NIL and quarterback play sort of are, are at the top of my list right now.
4: I, I accept, I okay. accept. Good What's answer. A,
3: you, but you said you have a theory. What, what, you, NIL. You, okay. It was going to be yeah. NIL.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, It's it, it's, an, it's some. Usually, the obvious answer is the answer.
3: Yeah, and I wonder what it looks like going forward. But it has just not looked good so far. Now, on the uh, on the on the flip side of this, we did have Mizzou beat the number 15 team in the country, in Kansas State, on a 61 yarder from the thicker kicker, Harrison. Incredible. Rose. 30 to 27 at home. That was a good win for Mizzou, and now it sets up a three and versus three and and0 matchup in the America's the the dome at America's Center between Memphis and between Mizzou. Um, and Mizzou, after last week, after watching that game, I think higher of Brady Cook. Brady Cook was twenty two for or twenty three for thirty five, three fifty six, two TDs. I always thought highly of Luther Burden the third who was the number 1 wide receiver recruit coming out of high school two years ago out of East St. Louis. But seven catches, 114 yards, two TDs. He is one of the best wide receivers in the country. This is going to be a hell of a challenge for Memphis. Sort of looking at how Mizzou has conducted themselves and, and winning that game against a Kansas State team who's just perpetually tough and always keeps himself in games, that was an impressive win for Mizzou and, a, and probably a very relieving win for Eli Drinkwitz. Yes. He needed that one. They've made a bowl game a couple times while he's been there but they've never had a winning season. You start the season 3 and 0 with a chance to go uh, to to the dome next week and 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 beat a Memphis team get to go to 4 and 0. Um I think he feels a lot better about his job and where he's at after having beaten uh, Kansas State.
4: We've criticized him a bit in the past for a few things that he have said, but I really enjoyed seeing him go to bat for his quarterback. I thought that that was a nice a nice thing to see especially after a game you know, sticking by that guy, he's getting booed by the home crowd. You never like that. You never like to see that, especially in, in college. So I, I enjoyed his comments there. But I'm excited for the game next year. It's going to – or next next, <laughs> next week. year. Next week. Next week. Memphis, uh, Mizzou, let's do it.
3: ESPNU this week, and then it'll be ESPN2 versus Boise State on the 30th. So two, two weeks in a row where Memphis is going to have the chance showcase on a national scale to showcase who they are on a national scale. So we'll see what happens. What are, what are our early thoughts? I saw Brady Cook come up a little bit. Uh, he was limping sort of toward the end of that game. I wonder how that's going to affect him this week in practice and going into next week against Memphis. I know there's this tendency to watch what the Tigers did against Navy and say, oh, damn, that was way too damn close for comfort. We just watched Mizzou at home beat the number 15 team in the country. I, I don't know if this is necessarily going to be close. I am on the opposite side of that. I look at this line, Mizzou and St. Louis, minus seven. So they're only a touchdown favorite. I think that's about right. I think that's about right. Memphis has an extended week to go get their hits in, which they didn't get against Navy. They didn't even get to get in pads. That's why they missed so many tackles in the first half. I think that they can get, get back right, have a, a a long preparation period, and go in and, and see what they can do against Mizzou. And I think we can really start to base what we think – about this Memphis team on the performance they put on the field on Saturday.
4: Absolutely, we were really hoping, I think, to take away from the Navy game, like, oh, we need to see something here, and it was just, oh my God, we survived. Like that yes. was kind of it. It's you survived. To be quite honest, that's a game that they would have lost last year, in my opinion. That that the, well, they were
3: zero and four in one score games last year. They are now one and zero in one score games this year. I don't think Navy's any good, but if you want to take some solace in winning a one-score game, go ahead.
4: Sure, sure. I'm I'm sure that you were that you said everything that needed to be criticized on Friday, so I didn't. I don't need to go back there. But I think the key it's going to be for Memphis is just can you can you take? It's going to be the secondary, in my opinion. Secondary, you got to yeah. keep that Mizzou passing game at bay.
3: I think that like people will make their, their their their, you know, they'll talk about this Memphis defense and the missing tackles in that first half. I thought they buckled down really well in the second half against Navy. Um, but I don't know. I've, I'm of the opinion, whenever I played Navy, like I throw out that film on the defensive side so fast because I thought the first two games at Memphis defense showed us something. The, the secondaries improved. They have more guys up front that can get after the quarterback. Chandler Martin's a sideline-to-sideline side line linebacker that can really make things happen. Jeff Canton-Arku is now uh, experienced in that linebacking core, and he makes plays. He had the punch out against Ty Lavatai that they weren't able to get on top of. Um, I, I throw away that film, though. They didn't get to hit on a short week against Navy, and it's just some weird looks that they throw at you. I think we learn a lot this week, but I think that Memphis defense has improved. People will try to uh, criticize them for, for how that Navy game looked, but I, I don't know if I'm ready to do that. that off- the offense, to me, is really where you need to put your attention at right now. The running game, besides those two big runs by Blake Watson, is still relatively nonexistent in the open field. They have to create more chunk plays and just more like, uh, you know, more plays to keep themselves on schedule. Like the four- to seven-yard runs, where are they at? Yeah, we saw the two big, big breaks by, by Blake Watson, but where is the consistent scheduled runs that keep you on schedule as an offense to help you out? Um, and also Seth Hennigan, that pick at the end of that game, He's got to be better with the football. He's got to be. That was a serious situation. Yeah, it was a third and a third and long late in the game, and Navy was dropping eight, but you cannot throw that pick in that situation.
4: He's had a uh, curious season so far, yeah. I would say. There's it's, been some ups and downs. It's a bit it's a bit underwhelming, but hopefully he can he can step up in this Mizzou game. Do you give any time to the idea that Memphis was just looking ahead to Mizzou? No, Or do you not think that's a convenient excuse? I think that's a
3: convenient excuse. I think that the short week affected them. And I also think this offense is just not where it needs to be early in the season. But what did I say? I said the first six games, I think this defense will help pace this team. And then hopefully, as the season goes along, as you get more live reps with the live bullets coming at you, this offense can start to play better. I, I do think this, though. Get the ball into Blake Watson's hands however the hell you can get the ball into Blake Watson's hands. He's great in the receiving game. He had 60 yards there. He had 100-some – I mean, he had two 70-yard runs in that game late that really helped helped them hold off Navy. Now, the fumble on the goal line was a freak thing. I don't really want to read into that too much. I think that was just your under center with Seth. You had trouble with the the handoff in general. I, I don't think you need to read into it that much. But, yeah, they need to find a way to showcase him every week going forward. He is truly – like, I, I watched him against Navy. I think that's a pro. He can do a lot of different things. He can do a lot of different things, and he's the next running back that needs to be in line. Do you still give carries to Sutton Smith and Jay Ducker in, you know, when you're playing situational football? Yes, but showcase Blake Watson in a big way.
4: Yeah, I agree. We've talked about how I think one of the goals of the first three games is you wanted one of these skill position guys to emerge as – the quote-unquote guy, and it seems like Watson has he's, – he's certainly thrown his hat into the ring as the potential guy. I also, man, Rock Taylor. I keep talking about him. Yep. Lock, I like me some Rock Taylor. Like yes. him a lot.
3: He, he's good in the red zone. I want to see him be- get better in the open field at going to break tackles and creating run after catch, but that's not necessarily his game, right? But Blake Watson in that game, 169 yards rushing, 1 TD, and 68 yards receiving. That's what you want to see from a from a premier back in this day and age. Of uh, of college football and in football in general.
4: Do you have any worry about the offensive line against an SEC line?
3: Yeah, I do. Simple as I can put it, yes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, fair enough. Moving I, sure, on. <laughs> I, I, I sure do. I sure do. Um, but Colorado had a scare. We're going to go ahead and get to a break. But first, I got to tell you to snap back into the action this NFL season with FanDuel America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can bet $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Uh, when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Gabe K, G-A-B-E-K, and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel is the official partner of the NFL and 92.9 ESPN. You must be 21-plus and president in Tennessee. First online real money wager, only $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt restrictions apply. See terms at FanDuel.com. Uh, see, see terms at sportsbook.FanDuel.com. Gambling problem, call Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789. Now, uh, we need to go ahead and get to a break. When we come back, uh, we have Colorado getting a big scare from Colorado State in that, uh, in that rivalry game. And we'll get to a little bit of NFL Week 2 and what we saw transpire uh, yesterday on Sunday. But that's next. Gabe Coon Show, 92.9 FM ESPN.
2: Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Kuhn Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN.
3: Back in on the Gabe Kunz on 92.9 FM ESPN. I know that there's some people out there that are a little perturbed that Colorado just stays in the news, but it's the best story in, in college football right now. It's not even close. We had college game day there. It was a late game against Colorado State, rivalry game, um, that clearly Colorado State got up for. Um, but this, I mean, Fox, uh, big noon kickoff was there. Um, it, was, it, it is the story in college football, and I guess my proclamation. What I thought was going to happen after Jay Norvell spoke on Deion Sanders and brought up Mamas, I thought it would be a, uh, a, a blowout that worked out in Colorado's favor. It was not that. Colorado State was up for that game and ready to go. There's no question about it. First thing that comes, out, uh, comes to my brain, though, about that Colorado team, yes, Shador Sanders is a stud. Travis Hunter got knocked out of that game. He's, he's still a stud. He's, he's great. They have a lot of talent from a skill perspective, what they need to do. What they really severely need to do in the offseason. I don't I you know, Coach Prime is still young in the coaching game, especially at the college level. I know he's thirty and six at this point from his Jackson State days now into Colorado, but he's still young at this thing. We knew that he was gonna be able to bring in skill players. We knew that he was going to be able to, you know, bring in DBs, wide receivers, quarterbacks, because he knows what it looks like. One thing he has yet to do that he needs to invest in this offseason, he needs trench help. He needs O-linemen. He needs D-linemen. In that game against Nebraska, uh, Nebraska's D-line, yeah, I know it was 36-14, to but they sacked Shador Sanders seven times. This Colorado State D-line sacked Shador Sanders four times. It's just it's not good enough right now, and their run game doesn't work well enough. He needs to go invest in that, and then we're talking about the sky being the absolute limit for this Colorado program.
4: Do you think a win like this in a gritty game, physical game, that Colorado got through is going to help them in the long run? Do
3: you uh, think it, because I, it, I think, yes. You have to play some of these scary games to see who you are as a football team, and you have to will them out, and they certainly willed it out at the end of that game. Ninety-eight yards all the way down the field for Shador Sanders. Then they get the two-point conversion. Then they go to overtime, and they make it happen. I thought that was impressive. Jay Norvell, a couple of things. One, there was a fourth and two where he ended up, you know, pinning Colorado at the at the two, and making them, and made them go ninety eight yards. They went ninety eight yards. People are questioning that. I don't necessarily think you need to question that. You have you have a lead, uh, and you have an eight point lead at that. I think trying to pin them and make them work as hard as they humanly can to go down the field and score was the right decision. Um, but in that first overtime when they scored, go for two. I think you need to go for a win on the road when clearly all of the momentum is swinging in Colorado's direction because of the fourth quarter comeback and the 98-yard drive, drive they mounted.
4: What do you expect from Colorado next week?
3: Oh, gosh, I don't know what to expect because right now, here's the truth of it, they don't have Travis Hunter, probably the best wide receiver and their best DB. That's, that's a big miss. And you're going on what the road. What a wild
4: sentence to say! You're going, you're going
3: on the road.
4: <laughs> He's so talented.
3: On the road at Oregon, number ten team in the country. Who, quite frankly, yeah, they had some struggles against Texas Tech, but the offense came alive against Hawaii, fifty-five to ten. I, uh, I think it's gonna be a tough game for them to win. I'm gonna be honest with you, but I mean, they're three and zero, when no one expected them to be in this
4: position. They've tripled their so, wins.
3: Yes. They've already tripled their wins. They were one and eleven last year. No matter what, the cap gets tipped. The cap gets tipped. To, the scene what prime and that that staff have. The scene was already. awesome. It was yeah. so cool. Again, like two weeks in a row, where Colorado and that program have made two rivalry games sort of dissipate with how bad they've been. Nebraska, Colorado meant something. Colorado State, Colorado meant something. That is impressive in itself. Filling out a stadium at 9 o'clock at night, well, central time, for a Colorado-Colorado State game is impressive in itself. But uh, what I learned from this game on the Colorado side is Shador Sanders, keep moving him up your draft boards, man. Keep doing it. He had one pick, which I thought the ball was actually placed really well. It just somehow skipped through his receiver's hands into a safety's hands, and they had a, a takeaway, uh, Colorado State. But he still finished 38 for 47, 348, four TDs, one INT after being sacked four times with no real run game. He he mounted a 98 yard drive to go tie the game. Put in a you know they they, they had the wrinkle to get a two point conversion there at the end of the game, and he got absolutely hammered by Colorado State's really good uh, defensive lineman. Um, it's Kamara is his last name. He he is unflappable man. Kamara Muhammad Kamara number eight for. Uh, Colorado State could, I mean, based on production, could be potentially an NFL player. He's, he's kind of small in the end of the day. But he landed directly on top of Shador Sanders, got the ejection, and Shador Sanders was still not worried about it. Still was able to go score on that drive. Shador Sanders, man, I, I, I cannot tell you how, I cannot overstate it. He is impressive as hell. And if we're talking about next level projections and what he's able to do, there's a reason that Mel Kuyper Jr. keeps talking about him in a high, uh, uh, playing at a high level. There's a reason I keep talking about him as a guy at the next level. He has everything you could potentially need in a quarterback. Maybe he's a little smaller. Then normally six two two fifteen, he could add a little bit of weight. But the legs are there. The escapability is there. And his ability to just stand in the pocket, create time for himself, and get through all of his progressions and reads, make plays outside of the pocket, it is right there on par with what you want to see from a first-round NFL draft pick at the quarterback position.
4: What impresses me the most about his play is, one, the composure that he is able to have at pretty much all times. It's the way he spreads the ball around. Yep. Five receivers had five or more receptions. Yep, Five. He uses everybody, and he makes people better. The sign of a good quarterback to me is when he makes his teammates better, and that's what Shador Sanders does. Yep. He really he, does. He
3: hit seven receivers in that game.
4: Nuts. Yep. Nuts. Um, What'd you make, real quick, go, going back to Colorado State? Seems like a Holker may have made himself some money in well, this game. he's
3: already – I mean, he's 6'5", 6'6", 240 pounds. He was already thought of in that way. But on the national scale, to see that on ESPN front and center, Dallin Holker, their tight end, he made himself a lot of money. He's going to be up there. I mean, he'll probably be a top-five tight end prospect. It, that
4: one out. catch looked like an NFL player. I mean, It's such a hard what's, what's catch. What's impressive
3: for him is he's really good as a target, not just in the open field, but once you get down into the red zone, you can throw a jump ball to him, and he will out-athlete and muscle people to go get that ball. And that's what you want to see from a tight end. And, he's, and he was solid as an inline blocker, I thought, all night, like he—he—he he, he has all the—the—the the, the tools to potentially be a, a good tight end at the next level. Um, and old man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay
2: winter all
3: year long. Short days, wind chill, black
2: ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here?
0: Your cold snap is over, old man Winter. Spring has arrived.
3: You put in the hours,
5: the energy, the tough labor. You are
1: a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Love the flexibility of working
3: in all sorts of places, but well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network, like
1: T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.
3: He really became a story because of how well he played. I mean, he had some big plays. I mean, he had that 35-yard reception that got them down, set up a scoring drive. He is uh Rising Tide's lift so. all.
4: Yeah. Colorado's good for college football. It's good for players, it's good for the teams that they play. I am I was so excited ratings seeing the ratings are crazy this. by the ratings the way. are nuts, but just the the cultural event that it has become, I think is it's really important. I really do think that it's an important thing that's happening in Colorado and Coach Prime deserves some credit. He deserves credit. He is making the doubters eat their words in the first 3 games. Mhm.
3: Now, um NFL week 2, speaking, you know, we De- De- Deion Sanders on Shador, I think he'll be an NFL player. I think he should I be certainly a first-round so. first quarterback whenever he decides to come out. But, but NFL Week 2 was uh, pretty interesting. I want to I just really touch on this Titans game. Titans finally got over top. That was good to see in OT against the Chargers. People will continue to do the Justin Herbert doesn't come up clutch in clutch moments. I don't think that's fair. His defense is dreadful. and I mean, honestly, they, they ran the ball for up, about, up around 200 yards in Game, game 1. Game two, not so much. That Titans defense really locks down. They buckled down. They had a good day uh, at, at at the park, at least stopping the run. But Justin Herbert still was 27 for 41, 305, and two TDs. Um, but the Titans really tried to run the ball, pace the game. Ryan Tannehill improved from a week ago, even though he got sacked five times. That that Titans team is still very gritty. I don't know what becomes of them. Um, Throughout the regular season, what they'll look like when we get to playoff time, but they are a team that's very—it's very, very clear—they're not here to lose. They're not here to rebuild. They're here to retool and stay, sort of at the, t- uh, hopefully stay at the top of the
4: AFC as they have been the past few years. I expect all of their games to look like a UFC fight this season. Like truly, last week against the Saints, it was like a fight. It was like a fist fight during the game. They're gritty wins. I am. Head over heels in love with Mike Rabel. Yeah. I really am. I I think he is the perfect NFL coach to have. I the team believes in him. I don't care how much the Titans may struggle. I want him on the sidelines for the Titans. He seems like the right guy, and those players believe in him. And his attitude is what the team has. It was an it was an ugly win. But it was a win. Ryan Tannehill certainly looked better. He's got, he's got to still improve a lot. Yes. What I liked is that they finally looked at Derrick Henry and said, we're going to feed you. We're going to feed and you. He only had 80 yards, but they gave, they gave him the ball 25 times, which and I like. Also, there was an effort to push the ball downfield.
3: Chris Moore had the one catch for 49 yards. Uh, Traylon Burks had the one catch for 70 yards. He ended with three catches for 76 yards. They're trying to push the ball downfield. They got
4: Chig involved.
3: Yes, they got Chig Thank involved God. a little bit more. Four catches, 35 yards. But I, 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 that was an improvement from Week 1, to say the least. And they still almost won that game, had a chance to go win that game Week 1. They didn't run the ball all that well, but they tried to establish it the entire exactly. game. Exactly. They, and, and, they and, made and, it a threat. They, by, by, by the fourth quarter, you see that start to wear on a team that's not defensively inclined right. like the Chargers. And that's why you are able to go win that game. And then in overtime, that was an easy stop they got, and they took it right down the field. You got the field goal. So I, I was impressed with the Titans. Now I'm still... Very impressed with the Cowboys. Dude, they are, that I'm defense you, is like, nuts. Uh, yes, the 49ers are at the top of the NFC, and, and we sort of projected that. I still have questions about Brock Purdy and what he'll look like as the season goes along. Will he have some tough weeks? What's the confidence stay like? He has enough weapons, though, to continue to play well. That Cowboys team is, this was the first time we really got to see them play offense uh, uh, because the Giants game was just a bunch of you know, they had a fumble return for a touchdown. They had a, a field goal block for a touchdown. The offense didn't really get to touch that field all that much. Uh, Dak Prescott was 13 for 13 to start, start the game. He finished the game 31 for 38, 255, two TDs. Um, C.D. Lamb was – he looked like a premier receiver in the NFL. 11 catches for 143, and he's going against Sauce Gardner and that really good secondary for the Jets. Although Sauce – Kind of gotten
4: eaten up the last two weeks.
3: Yeah, Sauce so I, – I, if you actually go look at it, when he was covering CeeDee Lamb, he was okay. When he was covering CeeDee Lamb, he was okay, but they moved him all over the field and didn't give him that, that assignment the entire game, which I think is telling in itself. But that Cowboys team, is they, they've got all the pieces to be a NFC winner this year. They just have to, once you get into the playoffs, once you get deep into the season, win the war of attrition one, make sure you don't get too injured, and make sure that Dak shows up and shows out as you get into those more pressure packed games,
4: their defense is so fast. Yep. They're one of my favorite defenses to watch because they're just always moving. They're always moving. They're always in the backfield. They always make the team look uncomfortable. I will say it's probably easy to do that when Zach Wilson is, yes. is the quarterback that you're playing. Who looks, can we just, people got to start being honest about Zach Wilson.
3: I, I've been honest. He's, he's he was 12 for 27, and he had three picks. He ain't he's got not the guy. Y'all. He he's ain't not got it. He's not, people and have his, been like, give the kid a his, chance. His, he his ain't got it. His one touchdown was Garrett, was Garrett Wilson catching it, breaking a tackle, and going however many yards that was. I think it was 68-yard touchdown. That was his one touchdown. He, he's just got so much talent around him. and I, I heard Garrett Wilson say something to the extent of, it's easy to blame Zach Wilson, but everybody else has to lift him up. You can only lift him up so much. He's just not that good of a quarterback.
4: He's terrible. He's terrible. He completely stalls their offense. It's is brutal get for the Jets, moving. though,
3: man. Because now you, you're going to have 15 more games. You just lost to the Cowboys, the 30 to 10. I hope he, like punting on 15 more games for the rest of the season when you had all this hope. You have a really good defense. You have good weapons on the outside. You have good running backs. It just feels like a waste to not go try and find better options while Aaron Rodgers is out for the year.
4: The huge problem with having a guy like Zach Wilson in a in a not very good offensive line is they know that you cannot run the football. You cannot do it. You are not going to be able to do it. So you have to def- depend on his arm. You have to. And defenses are going to eat him alive. And they did. They set up so many traps that he just fell into. He doesn't have the, the decision-making is just not there. He panics very quickly. He starts moving around. And he lo- I, I've said it last week after that game. He looks like a little kid out there. That's what it reminds me of. It reminds me that the Jets looked in the stands and said, we need a fan, and we're going to give him a <laughs> shot to play quarterback. He throws the ball with He's, his feet squared. It drives it's, me insane. It's, it's frustrating. I'm not even he a Jets fan.
3: It, coming out of BYU, people thought that he'd be a decent processor of information. From the pocket. He's not that. No. He, d- he cannot process information. He, 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 falls, he, he falls into traps constantly. He throws picks at a high rate. It, it's just not going to lead to winning for this Jets team.
4: We talked about it in Hard Knocks. The sec- I think it was the first or second episode. Aaron Rodgers was having to reteach him how to not be sacked and how to read defenses. That's the biggest red flag you could possibly have. He's in yep. his third season, and he still doesn't know how to do that. They've got to cut bait. You cannot waste this season. They are so talented on the defensive end, and they are so talented with their weapons, you you cannot punt on this season. You have to go get somebody. You have to. I don't care if it's Carson Wentz, Jacoby Brissett, make a trade for Kirk Cousins. I don't know. You have to get a quarterback back there. I think it'll be a it's waste. It's miserable a, a
3: waste of a season it's with this much watch. talent on one roster. When you thought you were going to be a Super Bowl contender with Aaron Rodgers, it's just a complete waste. And then, I mean, on the back end, Aaron Rodgers is locked up for this year and next year. You don't know what's going to happen after next year. One year of Aaron Rodgers, I just that's not enough for this. For this, in my opinion, what is a win now roster?
4: It's a win now roster. It's a win now roster. I understand wanting to stand by the kid, but he ain't got it. Move on. Yeah, it's yeah. the NFL.
3: It's hard though. He was number two overall pick, and they don't want to admit their faults. I, I. They kind of admitted it with Aaron Rodgers, but now that Aaron Rodgers is out, they want to try to trust him. Oh, well, he learned a lot from Aaron Rodgers this offseason. He clearly didn't learn enough. I'll say that right now. He clearly did not learn enough. Now, when you think of engagement rings, wedding bands, diamonds, think Robert Irwin Jewelers. Ring design is the number one thing women care about and why all of Robert Irwin Jewelers' rings are fully customizable. How customizable are they, you ask? Well, I'll tell you. If you have an idea, if you have a picture, if you are artistically inclined and you can draw, make a drawing of the ring you want, Robert Irwin Jewelers can make that ring come to life, uh, one of a one-of-a-kind custom ring just for you. Or if you're not as, you know, artistic as some people are, you can just make a ring all by yourself at one of their five locations, including the one, the OG there on Perkins Extended. Uh, you choose a center stone, cut clarity, shape size. You pick the setting. Don't worry, they'll help you if they need it. They're always very helpful. And Robert Irwin Jewelers will make that ring for your special someone that no one else has or has even ever tried on. It was designed by you for them. It always means more when you take the time to do something special. And there's no pressure at Robert Irwin Jewelers with the men to be guarantee. Buy your loose diamond or custom made engagement ring at Robert Irwin Jewelers. And you have 365 days to return it, whether she doesn't like it, uh, you break up, whatever it may be. You have a full calendar year to go return that, get a refund, find a new one, whatever it may be. Robert Irwin Jewelers has been doing this in Memphis for 42 years. Howie and his family have always, Always provided different, more relaxed ways to buy fine jewelry with less pressure and more options and at much better prices. Robert Irwin Jewelers always has something you'll be proud of no matter what your budget is. They make you look good and help you show how much you care. Bigger, brighter diamonds with zero down and up to 60 months to pay. So whether it's congratulations, I love you, I'm sorry, Merry Christmas, anniversary, birthday, $250 to $250,000, Robert Irwin Jewelers has something for every budget. There's five Memphis-area locations, including the one on Perkins Extended, or you can go online at rijewelers.com. Bigger, brighter diamonds, Robert Irwin Jewelers. Now, Jeff Calkins is scheduled to join, didn't talk to him on Friday, so we got to catch up on some stadium renovation updates. That's next, 92.9 FM ESPN.